Greetings and welcome to Mysteries of the Mornland. Mysteries of the Mornland is a level up, advanced 5th edition actual play horror podcast set in the world of Eberron. As a horror podcast, listener discretion is advised. You can find a full list of content advisories in the episode description. Again, listener, welcome. We are excited to have you. Sandra, and I will be playing Rook, Changeling Sorcerer. Hi, I'm Sloan, and I will be voicing Van, the Warforged Fighter. Hi, I'm David, and I play Chef, the Dragonborn Cleric. Hello, I'm Will. I'll be playing Syntec, the Gnome Artificer. And my name is Josh. I will be your narrator. Welcome back, everyone. Evening. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. When last we saw our heroes... They were pressing further into the territory of the Mornland, after having witnessed the corruption wrought upon territory newly claimed by this cursed land. The dark of night presses down on you with an ever more menacing weight. Even as the horses lope lightly across the old trade road to Vatherond, some in the group notice the burning sensation of panic rising up in them. Yet you know you must never let this sensation take hold, and you push it down. In the moments of silence that follow, some in the party cannot help but to reflect on the battle they had at the townhouse along the border, and its tragic implications. As the party sort of starts moving on, Chef is just going to try to give everybody a quick once-over, see how everyone's doing. Uh, it did not escape Sheth's notice that Van and Sentek were both sort of struck uh, with emotion in that fight. And Sheth, I think, based on our last session, is aware that Rook, while clearly very capable, is not a soldier, has not been as heavily involved in the war. Sheth's basically inspecting the troops a little bit, wants to make sure everybody's doing okay. Sentek, the cloud of dark thoughts that was occluding your mind seems to have disappeared by now. On the other hand, Vanguard, the point of wisdom that was taken away from you hasn't returned to you yet. It's, you're probably going to need to spend a little bit of time resting before it returns to you. Chef will say, do we need to take a break? Rest up before I move on? City's getting closer. Yeah, normally I would say no, but I, I have this weird cloud in my head right now, and I, I just... Uh, I just need a, a moment to, to unwind, um, if, you, if you can bear with me for a bit. If we are approaching, we ought to do so with a clear head. 
If you believe we need it, we can take it. That said, I doubt that the benefits of being outdoors will be great. I don't think we'll be seeing things from a distance. I don't suspect this fog is going anywhere soon. Even as you say this, Rook, the darkness around you seems to be becoming ever more oppressive. With the exception of a reddish light on the far western horizon and the occasional bright flash of light, that's just about as bright as overhead lightning, except it's accompanied with no sound except the roar of the wind, which is a constant. The trade road that you're on coming into Vatherond all seems equally inhospitable. There are poles every now and then for magical lights that everyday mage rites would normally take to lighting. This is quite routine throughout the Five Nations. However, some of these poles are split entirely in half. This is the kind of damage that a lot of y'all saw during the last war. The kind of uncivil hatred for human life itself that causes you to destroy infrastructure and civic creations and things that benefit all people equally. That said, you can very well find a random place to rest on the trade road if that is your choice. I mean, it, it seems about as good as any option in this place. And if we're not going to find any solace while on the road, now's as good a time as any to learn about it. And just as you say that, you see something just ahead. One of the poles ahead is brightly lit. It casts a bright light 60 feet around it. There's even two wood and metal benches where passerbys in a bygone day might have sat and talked cheerfully. This in the middle of a monstrous and uh, inhospitable road. It seems welcoming, which could be bad, but also there might be a reason it's still on. Perhaps. Let us rest there, then. Might as well. Before I begin the the short rest, I do want to spend my last exertion point to catch my breath and regain some hit points. So uh, I rolled a five, so five plus two in proficiency and three, so ten life. So I'm actually back to full health. Everyone make perception checks. Hey. Six. Ten. Ten. Sixteen. You all take a bite to eat and have some water. Vanguard, your mind begins to clear. Your wisdom is restored. You all are careful to keep an eye out on your surroundings, which admittedly is a little bit difficult to see into the darkness when there is a light shining right on top of you. And some of you even get the feeling this light helps other people see you just a little bit better than it might help you all see anything else. Van gets his wisdom back and goes, oh, this was a bad idea. (laughs) I would have told you that earlier if I'd known. No apparent danger to you at this second. I do want to spend, because like, I'm not going to be using it to, to heal up. I'd like to spend some of the time during the short rest looking at this tower to see if it's, if there's a reason it's still on, or does it just, did it happen to luckily survive, you know, the tornado sort of situation. So what are your expertises? Specialty, sorry. Uh, gadgetry for engineering and constructs for arcana. 
uh, and then research for investigation. You know, one way or the other, it sounds like you're rolling with proficient and expertise. So give me an intelligence check with those. Cool. That is, well, it's still bad because it was, I rolled a two on the, the big die. So that's a 10. It's your average metal lamppost. It's made out of iron. So pretty cheap. It's got a rust proof paint on it. The spell is a continuous flame spell, which it's a little expensive to have one of those, but it's, but it's actually quite commonplace. All right. Nothing, nothing jumps out that it's been activated for the purpose of acting as an angler fish lure. <laughs> I, d- I don't see a field of teeth surrounding us. Uh, <laughs> quite. Uh, no, there's not even so much as a scratch of graffiti on this pole. All right. Seems pretty normal. Um, as we're standing under the lamppost, uh, or sitting under the lamppost at the benches, Rook kind of looks to the uh, rest of them and up at the lamp uh, and speaks. Uh, so I spoke briefly of this with Sentek, but as we're bouncing names around for our merry band, um, what do you think of the guiding light? We do carry the lantern after all. Hmm. That's, that's not bad. Guiding light's pretty cool. Catchy. I'm not one for creativity, but I think that sounds pretty good, actually. Chef regards with a small bit of amusement the various symbols of the silver flame that are all over his clothing and possessions. I had thought you might appreciate it, particularly, <laughs> Chef. <laughs> sounds good to me. Um... Sentek, I have an unusual question for you. Oh, it's my favorite kind. This uh, lamp seems to be persistently alight. I know this may be a strange ask considering, but it doesn't seem that it's benefiting anybody right now. If a persistent light source is something of value, is it possible to take it with us? You are the gadgeteer among us. Mm. Perhaps, let's see. Not a bad idea. Long as we can keep it covered if we need to. Mm-hmm. I feel bad that the DM put in this, like, really cool symbolic moment in the mists, and now I'm like, can we plunder it for loot? Can we dismantle it? Sentek, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> you're aware the the spell effect Continual Flame and its modified form here is a isolated magical effect. If you wanted to break down the pole and pull it down... You could do just that without affecting the light. Yes, we should. We should be able to make it mobile if we really want to. And I can definitely uh, construct something to cover the light when we're not wanting to be blinded by it. Could be a boon to the expedition. When when uh, Syntex says he can construct something, Sheth will just sort of eye the various clothings and bags that we all have and just smirk <laughs> a little bit. Oh, he's going to take apart those benches. <laughs> Destroy everything symbolically beautiful in Josh's game. Now it's a project. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to ship these benches home one piece at a time. <laughs> the only thing stopping you from doing so is just you need to announce how you deconstruct them. All right. Well, uh, so, so. You said the, the light pole's metallic. It's iron. Iron. 
I'd assume between my tinkerers and smith's tools, I should have a metal saw that would allow me to work through that. Uh, not quickly, probably, but work my way through to... Uh, yeah, what you'd probably want to do is use your powered wrench to dislodge the pole from its footing and then use the saw on the skinny part near the top. Yep, yep, yep. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uncouple it from the ground, have the jocks tip it over <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> carefully. The tall iron pole falls to the ground unceremoniously with a thud in the dirt. Uh, and then I'll, I'll behead it. After about five minutes of hard sawing, you break right through. With continuous flame, does it give off heat? Can it alight things? Nope. I didn't think so. And in fact, this continual flame is in a glass encasement for the purpose of aesthetic. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I'll, I'll make a leather covering because I feel like that would be much simpler if we have any excess leather from a pouch or anything like that. You actually have organized your spare leather pouches for just such an occasion, as I recall. Yep. So uh, you're able to pull that leather pouch over the tip of the iron rod like one might cover a foot with a sock. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make some adjustments so it fits it well. And yeah, no, now it should be good to go. I'll gussy it up later with some handles and stuff. But for now, it's mobile. Sticking the leather pouch on it causes the entire area to be engulfed in darkness as you take the light for yourself. We will take this, this light with us throughout the rest of the Mornland. We will guide it through the Mornland. Hey. This is now the unofficial mascot. See now, see, now it's symbolic again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's our, that's the group pet. <laughs> uh, incidentally, what color is the flame? I would say it's light yellow. Okay. Um, I, as we say all this, Chef will quietly cast Thaumaturgy and cause the flame to change color. What would you like its color to change to? Silver. This lasts a minute. Well, there you have it. Do you use this to light your way into Vatherond, or do you stow it and use some other light source? Light our way? Yeah, no harm in lighting our way. Let's do it. Yeah. Lit by a silver lamppost, you all mount horses once again and begin riding at a trot into Vatherond. Just as you pull through the open stony gate of the village, the light drizzle that began as Sentak was sawing through the iron rod begins to turn into a rain. This is quite large for a town. It's the last major stop along a national border, so in the good times, it acted as a meeting point between Kyre and Brayland. Those times have changed. And nearly a third of Vatheron's population had moved out after the day of mourning. What can be said of them now that the dead gray mist has flown over their land? Most of the town is pitch black. At the center of town, you see a dark spire rising out of the ambiguous, shadowy forms that must be the buildings at the center of town. This pillar 
upon examination, looks a lot like the steeple from one of the churches of the Silver Flame. What do y'all do? Sheth wants to make our way toward that steeple. I mean, we can observe the town on our way there. It seems as good a landmark as any. Agreed. We'll be needing it in this fog. Indeed. Perception checks, everyone. Twelve. Thirteen. Fourteen for Van. Sixteen. As y'all happen along through the center of town, you notice what must have once been a very, very popular tavern. The sign on the tavern features a cube of ice, and it says, On the Rocks. Inside the window of this establishment is a red-haired, bearded figure who's hiding himself behind the corner, looking at you all with a single eye, trying to keep himself hidden. But not from y'all, because y'all spotted him. <laughs> well, don't you think we should perhaps hail him and try to see what uh, what's going on here? Um, if you uh, wish to watch over us, you can do that from a visible position. Thank you. Come on out. The man disappears from the window, and you hear the clunking of locking mechanisms doing their thing from behind the wooden door of the establishment. He opens the door, keeps a finger to his nose and lips, indicating that y'all must stay silent, but his eyes are wide and he gestures for y'all to come in quickly. Rook will uh, look to the others and sort of uh, try to maneuver her horse toward the uh, inn. Yeah. Uh, I'll Sintek will nod. All right. As you get close, close enough to smell his breath, you hear him whisper, Yes, for the sovereign's sake, bring the horses in too. Okay. All right. And we do. The horses oblige your instructions, although you can tell that they are quite uncomfortable to be indoors. You find a place to tie them up near the window where several of the tables have actually been overturned to barricade one of the two major entry points to this room. Uh, greetings, friend. This man puts a hand over his heart and bows lightly. He says, greetings. I cannot believe my eyes, my... Thank the sovereigns, you all are alive. And horses and... I don't recognize you. You're tra travelers at a time like this. <laughs> at a time like this. Welcome. Uh, my name is Timothy Rockwell. I am the proprietor of this modest establishment. Uh, stay away from the windows. Uh, we've seen things. Uh, uh, by all means, let me show you some hospitality. Let me get you some wine. Or let me get you some beers. Beers? Uh of course, uh, much appreciated. Uh, I am Rook. Rook, much obliged. Timothy, my name is Shethrazar. We just traveled in from outside, uh, where it's not like this. We're going to have some questions for you. I uh, and I have questions for you. I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen a lizard folk quite as blue of color as you. It, it it's a little hard to see in here. Is it blue? It is. Hmm. Fascinating. 
uh, well, well met. Uh, Sir Gnome, Sir Warforged, hello, greetings. Syntech, nice to meet you. Glad to see you have been holding on uh, in these dire situations. He nods. The man before you appears to be a dwarf, although perhaps he has a human in his nearby ancestry because he's a bit tall and a bit lean of physique compared to some of the dwarves you've met before. He says, yes, I'm, well, doing innkeeping is a vocation of persistence, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, beers for all of you. Um, Sir Warforged, do you want to pretend to drink a beer or do you want me to get a mint for you? Um, you can call me Van, and I'll take a, uh, I'll take nothing. Hmm, very good. So tell me about yourselves, travelers. What brings you, <laughs> what brings you to this Sovereign's Forsaken place? The, the fact that it's forsaken. No kidding. We were aiming for the Mornland, and when we arrived here, it seemed that this area had recently become a part of it. Yeah, if you were playing darts, the dartboard just launched off the wall and hit you in the face, I guess. Hmm. How long has it been this way? The fog overcame us late yesterday afternoon. The sun has risen on this new portion of the Mornland only once. So it's been just over a full day. And what did the fog do? Where is everybody? When we noticed the fog rolling in, which it would be impossible not to notice, we always keep an eye out for undead who might decide to take a stroll on the brighter side of the street. Well, as soon as we noticed the mist rolling in, the church rang its bells. We sent the outriders to warn the community. Everyone locked up. I haven't been in any fights or anything, but that hasn't stopped me from seeing my fair share of... Well, I've seen... It, it's been a hell of a 26 hours. So you say 26 hours, yet we've seen places around here that seem to have decayed rapidly in that amount of time. It's actually quite concerning because we saw fully decomposed skeletons and rotten trees just on our way in here. Have you noticed anything funny with, I guess for lack of a better word, uh, time? Skeletons? Like dry bones? Yes. Dolara preserve us. Oh... He puts his hands over his face and takes a deep breath, and then he shrugs. I have no explanation. I don't know a thing about magic, and I don't know a thing about this God's damned mornland. Hmm. But I can help prepare you all a comfortable place to sleep, at least for the night. I can't promise you that things will be any better in the morning, but I can guarantee you, you don't want to be outside during the dark. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Sheth will not take his word for it and would like to 
do some insight, <laughs> given that the last time we saw a person, they turned out to be not, uh, if I may. Yeah, of course. Uh, 18. This man seems incredibly earnest. He keeps invoking the names of the gods. And he makes observances to ensure that y'all are treated with basic decency. He seems to be a basic God-fearing fellow. Strange though his story is, you don't detect animosity coming from him. Hmm. Seems we've found two unexpected lights in this darkness. Are you alone here? Have you seen others that have weathered this storm? Just as you say, seen others, he gasps, wide eyes looking out the window. Rook wheels around to look as well. I also will look. Yeah. Perception. Seven. Ten. Eleven for Van. You see a flash of light from this strange non-lightning that seems to have been filling the air all evening. However, that's all that seems to be on the outside of the window except for the dark streets. The dwarf in front of you coughs. Uh, sorry. I... uh, He said that just, just as soon as the lightning flashed. I... Sorry. It's been a bad day. Just... Did you see something else? I don't think so. Mm. (sighs) Uh, okay. Probably best for us all to camp in this main room. Yes, I'll... I'll get some feed from the back room for the horses and pull out the bedrolls as well. What else can I get to make the evening more comfortable for you all? Please, 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 please do stay the night. Please don't go back out. Besides, I have to be honest that I would deeply appreciate you all protecting me. (laughs) So I I have a vested interest in this, but... Out of a sense of decency, I can't let y'all go back out on a night such as this. Well, we surely appreciate that hospitality. Would it be wise for us to trade watches throughout the night? I suppose that would be the thing. Then maybe a chair. Sure. I'll pull one out from the back room while I'm there. All right. Uh, you get the watch sorted out. I'll go get those things I said. And with that, Timothy takes his candle and goes into one of the back rooms of the inn. I can definitely take watch for, I mean, really the whole night since I don't even need to sleep. Oh, yeah. If that would help, or if you would rather still take turns. That would be appreciated, without a doubt. Sure. What do you think uh, makes the night so deadly here? Mm -hmm. Children. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no... uh, any more of the ones we've seen, that would make it pretty bad. Well, if what we've seen so far is what daytime's like, hmm. Hmm. evil doesn't typically rest in the dark. Quite the opposite. It did seem like those shadows preferred the darkness. I would... Be terrified to wonder what the city would look like if they were all out prowling at once. 
Well, seems we've got a nice place to weather it. I'm not... As you said before, fog's not going anywhere. We've, we've reached the town. Now it's just to figure out what our situation is. Well, for better or worse, Rook will start uh, rolling out a bedroll on the floor. Uh... Uh, if we're getting prepared to bed down, Sheth will survey the area. Sheth likes to know where the exits are, uh, but then also take a moment in prayer and while doing so, look out the window. And I don't know if we can see that spire from here. What was once a black spire in the distance is now somewhat grayish. Yeah, without a doubt. This is a steeple of a local silver flame parish. Chef will take a moment to stare meditatively at the steeple, which is a image that normally he would find comforting. And then also take a moment to reflect on the flashes like lightning, which lightning also a symbol that he normally finds some solace in, but with the grim knowledge that this is not lightning. While Syntex is getting ready for bed, since Van will be on watch much of the night, it seems, I'll walk over and bring Fetch to keep him company in the night, since Fetch also does not need to sleep. Oh, oh nice. Robo night watch. <laughs> yep. Let Fetch hang out with Van, and then before I go to sleep, I realized I have a hooded lantern, and I don't need that because I got dark vision. So I would like to deconstruct the hooded lantern to act as a new carrying system for our continuous silver flame so that it can be carried like a lantern. And then I'm going to give that to Chef. Uh, you find that surprisingly easy to do, although it will take uh, about another five minutes sawing through with the, with the saw. <laughs> it's got to be hard sleeping around an artificer. <laughs> have you ever heard of sawing logs well you know it's pretty similar circling back to something you said david can you make an intelligence check for me sure i'm terrible at those <laughs> uh oh 14 these convalescing thoughts bring an important matter back to your mind the beacon you're trying to remember was it discussed where to install the beacon? Hey, I've been wondering that. Hmm. Syntec, you remember looking at the schematics that, besides the technical aspects of getting the beacon up and running, it's advised to put the beacon at a high place so that the area of its irradiation can be larger. Mm hmm. You also remember part of the conversation with Angela, that part of the impetus for sending you all in was to get the beacon up and running so that survivors might have a better chance of withstanding the difficulties of the Mornland magical effects, which you've now, unfortunately, realize are very much in play here. This might be where we uh, try out our beacon. It seems like the ideal... Installation point. Once again, Sheth finds it extremely poetically satisfying. 
<laughs> Although I say that David finds it poetically satisfying. Sheth finds it very not a surprise at all. Of course, of course, this is where we would have to put it. That makes total sense to Sheth. Yeah. I will give the now silver continuous flame to Sheth. Sure, sure. Since you made it silver <laughs> and you seem to like those things and I don't need it. I have dark vision. Uh, for clarification, the effect of making it silver only lasts for a minute. But it's a cantrip, so I can just continuously, <laughs> I can just keep changing. Yep, if I see. want to, I can just keep making it silver. I come over to you and I go, here, keep this silver. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go to sleep. <laughs> keep it silver. Keep it safe. <laughs> As you're doing all this, Smith and Molly begin stamping their hooves impatiently. Oh, yeah. I guess we should feed them. Oh, that's right. Ponies need food, don't they? <laughs> Is there anything to feed them? Like, do we have... The innkeep had mentioned wanting to go and get some feed. Yes. Hmm. I, I'm gonna go... Should we go check on him? He's been gone a while. Couldn't hurt. Indeed, he has been gone a while. The corner he went around presumably could extend into a hallway, but how freaking long could that hallway be? Oh. We're about to find out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start heading toward the back. Don't worry, I'll go back her up. <laughs> Sheth will actively put a hand on your chest and be like, ah, this is it. hang out. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow along. Yeah. So what's the marching order? Rook's going in. And then, yeah, Van will be following after quickly. Then me. Sure. As you all turn the corner, you see a light in a backmost room along a hallway that runs parallel to the front door of the establishment. Several doors, presumably to rooms, line this hallway, and in the back where the light is, where Timothy probably is, must be a storeroom. Timothy? Everything okay back there? And Rook will start approaching the door. The door to this room is open. A bright flickering light from inside the room casts the silhouette of the doorway along the innermost wall. You don't hear Timothy's voice, however, you do hear the sound of the wind and the clacking of window shutters. Um. Did, did he just leave out a window? It's kind of what it sounds like. I mean, if you don't mind, Rook, just kind of head in there and look around. <laughs> See if maybe he had a heart attack or something. <laughs> Rook is going to go in, and the first thing she's going to do is like walk toward the window and look out. Going down the hallway towards the open door with the light coming through. You turn the corner and you see three things. There is an overturned candle on the floor, spreading its light in the form of fire across various cloths. This open fire is growing in size by the second. You see Timothy against the wall his legs are spread, his head is slumped. There is a large cavernous opening in his chest where his heart should be. 
and outside the window, just getting his last boot out, is a man in a mask with a bloody knife. again for listening to this week's episode of Mysteries of the Mornland. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you want the show to survive its horror trek into the blasted lands which transcend realities, we could really use you as an ally. Check out our Patreon site, which has a variety of backer levels and rewards, and patronage of any size helps us keep this podcast up and running. If a one-time contribution is better for you, we can make that work. And as always, please like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Our theme music you're listening to is Collision by Derringen. We found these tracks on ocremix.org. You can find the information on all our music in the episode description. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Hope to see you again next time. So, to clarify, did y'all say y'all were installing it here in the bar, or no, 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 no? no, no. I, the, we're looking at the steeple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, <laughs> good. Okay, I just yes. wanted to make sure on the rocks, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> under the bar, out the windows. But what a great, what great branding! <laughs> <laughs> and I have to, <laughs> uh, yeah, on the rocks, the place that dispelled the mist. You <laughs> Unless we want to install the beacon in one of our uh, mechanical companions yes. and have a roving beacon. Yeah. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> oh, we're getting... Nah, Y'all better get that's, fired. That's the look that I like to see in the, <laughs> in the DM. <laughs> we're going to chase the Mornland out of here. <laughs>